Curry fakes, draws two, gets it out to RJ. He'll drive down, pass to Lee. Great catch by Lee. Missed the layup, rebound deflected. Jefferson goes up and jams it. Richard Jefferson <laughs> claps his hands in mock joy that time, finally getting it to fall. Well, the Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. Golden State and Portland tomorrow night. I, Tim Roy, joined by Richard Jefferson. And uh, Richard, I guess last night, what was remarkable to me after the game was to uh, realize that that was the first time that you guys had lost back-to-back -back games in about two months. I mean, that's a remarkable number, and it really it, it kind of speaks to the resiliency of, of this team. Well, well, good teams tend to stop the bleeding early, and, and that's what you have to do because uh, two can quickly turn into three, four, five, and, and then all of a sudden you're on a losing streak. But if you look at, if you look at the top five or six teams in both conferences – they rarely get on a four or five game losing streak. And that's because, you know, you lose one, you battle back. You lose two or three, then you come out and you get it going. And that, that's how you stay at the top. You've been on a lot of good teams. So tell me, what, what are the similarities between some of the very good teams that you've played on uh, to this Warrior squad? Um, I, I think the depth. I, I think um, the fact that nobody really cares who gets, what, gets the credit. One day it might be Clay, one day it might be Steph. Um, another, you know, we've played through Carl Layton games. Uh, Jared Jack has had an amazing season uh, so far. Uh, so it, it just depends on who's got the game going uh, and, and who's and who's moving the ball around, depending on who gets the best shot. You know, earlier this year, and I, I want you to to talk a little bit about this. You were talking about uh, in an interview about how proud you were to be part of the Nets organization when you were there, because when you got there, they weren't that good. And then when you left, as you point out, they, they hung banners. Talk about that process and why is that so important to you? Well, I, I think for me, it's just because I came in with them. Um, uh, that, that's who drafted me. And there was so much negativity thrown at me uh, early on, like, oh, you're going to go play with the Nets. And, oh, how are you going to handle it? And, oh, you just came from – you know, we, you know, we were in the Final Four and, and played the national championship game to playing with a uh, a team that was perennially in the in, in the lottery, and me and Jason Collins and Brian Scalabrini were like, well, that's not our past. We had nothing to do with that. I can't control, you know, what went on before me. All I can do is control what moves forward, and you know, that's why I think we were so happy to be a part of that turnaround because no one thought we can do it that year we were picked to finish I think second to last in the conference and we led the conference from start to finish and went to the NBA finals so you know you look at a situation here where you know even with all the new additions even with bringing in Jared Jack and Carl Landry who are proven NBA players and and Steph Curry being healthy um, adding veterans having you know a quality pick like Harrison Barnes and some quality picks that 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 slipped I fell in the I feel in the draft uh Draymond Green and and Festus Azili even with all that being combined everyone picked us to finish you know low in the conference and uh so for us to have success early I think it means a lot to everyone you know it's funny you you mentioned about the the history part Mark Jackson said uh, almost identical thing uh, I think it might have been a week or two ago where he said that the history is the Warriors history it's not my history it's not our history here, and and I, I guess to to turn the page, you kind of have to believe that. Well, it's not have to believe it; it's just the truth. It, it's it makes it pretty easy to believe the truth when you know that's what it is. Uh, I've been very blessed. I think I've been in the playoffs nine or ten times in my twelve years. So when I step onto the court, it's not 
oh, well, it's the Warriors. No, I believe in my history. I believe in what I've been able to accomplish. I believe in the wisdom that I've learned from players that I can spill onto our younger guys like Harrison um, and Draymond and, and the things that I can tell them that are going to help them be successful in this league because um, I know what it takes. I've been there. I've been to you know the playoffs. I know how to stop a guy late in the game. I know what his go-to moves are going to be and what his tendencies are. Um, I, I know the best way to guard that. So, um, and, and it goes to show that those guys are listening. They're taking all this information in and processing it and, and using it on the court. Richard Jefferson, my guest on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I'm Tim Roy, and you lead me to a topic I wanted to get to because I watched during timeouts, and I see you giving out that that wisdom and that advice. Do you see that as part of your role, and also not only a role on this team, but a role in the league? You know, because I see a lot of you know, some veteran guys don't do that, but I see a lot of veteran guys who do. And it's kind of their way of passing the torch, their way of giving back. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like I still, you know, have a lot to contribute on the court. Um, but off the court, I, you know, Grant Hill, I talked to him. I saw him around Christmas time. And he was like, you know, guys have to reinvent themselves. You, you can't be in this league. You know, you're very, very fortunate if you were able to come into this league and be an all-star, average 20 points a game, be the focal point, go to the playoff. But as you get towards the end of your career, there's maybe, you know, four or five guys in a generation that are going to be the exact same guy from start of their career to the end of their career. It's next to impossible. So if you want to have longevity, you're going to have to reinvent yourself. You're going to have to use your teammates more. You're going to have to become more of a mentor. Uh, And these are things that I've embraced. You know, I I want to play – you know, at least 15 years. That means after this year, um, I got next year on my contract and I'd like to play two more after that. And then I'd like to retire. Um, only a hundred or so guys have ever played a thousand games in this league. And that's what I'm trying to accomplish. You, you have to have personal milestones. Uh, of course, I want to win an NBA championship, but sometimes those things are out of your control. Uh, so if you can kind of set a mind, a mindset of what you want to accomplish as an individual uh, and then let all the other stuff just kind of fall in line. And that's what you have to do later in your career. You've, you've had a chance to play with guys who had some tremendous longevity. I'm going to start, first of all, with a guy we like to call a Bay Area treasure, and that's Jason Kidd. What was it like playing with Jason Kidd, and, and, and how remarkable a point guard was he when you guys were teammates in New Jersey? It, it, it was – he was such a – a good mentor. It's crazy because people think that you know when I first got to when I first got to New Jersey, that's what that was our first experience. Um, I'm, I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, when he really established himself as a dominant point guard. Um, I, I'd met him when I was in college. Um, actually, right before I went to college, I, I'd met him at a basketball camp. He actually gave me a ride home, and it's kind of random. Um, you know, you look at you know just kind of in hindsight, you know that that little bit of time. Uh, and then, you know, even playing in the Final Four when he was still in Phoenix. So he was familiar, you know, when the kids down the road were, had a really good team and were playing the national championship game. So all of a sudden when I got uh, traded to, uh, to New Jersey and he got traded there, we kind of we connected just because, you know, the, the Arizona connection right away. I'd known him. Um, you know, I was his rookie. Uh, and, and, and we also fit together on the court. And, and I couldn't have asked for a better mentor, uh, especially on the court. Uh, we played so well together. Um, I tried to take it all in as much as I possibly could, every every bit um, of knowledge that he had. And, um, and I'm glad to see him playing well later in his career. And I, I guess a question along the similar vein, and though you had a, a time to spend with him, different, different guy, different player, but uh, similar in greatness, similar in their, 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 their toughness and, and their team play, and that's Tim Duncan. 
Yeah, Tim, and and it's completely different. Like Tim, he's been a focal point of that organization his entire career, and and for 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 Tim, they've done a great job of making sure that he has the pieces around him. And it's it, and truth be told, it's a lot easier to be a big man than it is to be a point guard later in your career when you're having to deal with very quick, uh, fast-paced game. You know, these these kids are coming in younger and younger and faster and faster. Tim has that size. You can't teach size. But the one thing I will give them credit for, um, and especially, you know, I haven't played with Jason in quite some years, but uh, Tim Duncan has done a great job of taking care of his body. He's in shape 24 you know, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This man is in great shape, uh, and that's what you need. He's actually lost weight every single year to the point where I joke with him that he's getting too skinny. You know, he's probably about two, you know, 248 right about now, and, and that's because he's trying to take, you know, weight off of his body, you know, less pressure on his knees, and it's going to add to his longevity, and that's something that you learn from those guys and also the way they've handled themselves, you know, their role, their humility, uh, when they're, he's used to getting 25 shots for 10-plus years, and all of a sudden the last couple of years you start getting 10, 15, 12 shots. It's, you, know, you have to take that the right way. If you're walking around pouting, if you're walking around pissed off, then it definitely changes you know, you know, the dynamic of your team. Let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned Arizona. Of course, you grew up in, in Phoenix. I had a chance to work there uh, for a couple of years, and, and you're part of that Arizona basketball family, you know, that Lou Dolson uh, tree. Uh, for a long time, you know that was it's one of the more you know dominant uh, programs in the country, and, and has spawned a, a number of great players. You have to take, I would imagine, a great deal of pride of being part of that. No, I do. Um, it, it, it's something that we feel like you know right now they're number two in the country. They had a great recruiting class. Got another great recruiting class coming in, and um, and every great program, and we believe that we're one of the top. Uh, we're in the top five when it comes to programs in the United States. And um, whenever you have that transition from that Hall of Fame coach and, and Coach Olsen, um, who did so much not only for all of his players, but just really for the game of basketball, the way he handled himself, it's going to be a transition. It's going to be a transition period till you find his successor and, and somebody that kind of fits the mold. And Sean Miller has done such a great job of that. He really um, he not only embraced Coach Olsen, but he also embraced all the past players. And I think Embracing all the past players will only make his job that much easier um, because it, it makes it easier to recruit when you can call up me, you can call up Jason Terry, Mike Bibby, uh, Luke Walton, Sean Elliott. When you can call up all those guys and you know that, that you have our support, it, make, it makes everything that much easier. Now, this year, uh, for another eight games or so, I'll be working with uh, Tom Tolbert. He's going to sit in with me. He sat in last night in the uh, loss to Memphis. Uh, do you have any sort of Arizona dirt on him that I can bring up in a broadcast to kind of keep him settled down? Ah, uh, who, man, I don't know. <laughs> Tom, I, I don't think any dirt at this point in time will hurt, will, will, uh, will hurt uh, Tom. I think it would only add to his legend if I try and give you dirt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's you know, he, true. Yeah, it, it's not going to do anything. Tom's a great guy, and, and, and he's somebody that, you know, even throughout my career, you know, seeing him and, and and having him, you know, talk so you know, so proudly of Arizona and the different guys uh, in the organization, uh, you know, these are the guys you try to live up to. You try to live up to, you know, what they've accomplished. And even after basketball, you know, we always joke with, you know, Coach Olsen's biggest uh, achievement is not necessarily getting guys like Andre Iguodala or Damon Stoudemire to the NBA, but it's the it's the Luke Walton's, it's the Tom Tolberts, it's the Judd Bushlers, those guys that had uh, NBA careers. Uh, 
because of their work ethic, because of the way they, they approach the game. And, uh, you know, even after his career uh, was over, what he's done off the court and uh, in the media, you know, uh, he's somebody that, you know, if, when I get on, move to the next part of my, of my career, I would love to get into broadcasting or into um, a, a different off the court aspect when it comes to basketball. So, you know, he's a person that I would definitely go to for, uh, for advice uh, and, and hopefully he can give me some good ones. I'm going to ask you about the broadcasting part in a minute, but uh, you and Luke Walton are pretty good friends, correct? Yes, yes. Tell tell me a little bit. It, it, have you had the, the chance to sit down with with uh, Bill and and ask him a question? And do you get a word in edgewise? You know, Bill Bill is such a great man. Uh, he's so funny, and and uh, you can have your differences with Bill, but at the end of the day, Bill is Bill, and everyone kind of accepts him from that because he's very very consistent. And uh, yeah, you know. You know Again, I've been very, very blessed and in a very fortunate position where there's multiple people that I feel I could go to uh, for that next part of my career uh, that could help me and give me advice, not only you know from them, but also can steer me the right direction with the type of people that I should talk to, how I should handle myself. Oh, and trust me, you know, early on in my basketball career, Bill was calling me. I remember I made a joke and uh, I wasn't dressed properly for an event, and so I kind of I was messing with. Uh, I think our, our head media guy, I was saying his name on the air, Gary Sussman, and I was cracking jokes about him. Mm-hmm. And he called me so fast and was like, Richard, whatever you do, you do not mess with your media people. These people have your back and they are there to help you and they are there to help you succeed. You do not joke with them. And I was like, all right, Bill, my bad, my bad. And this is, I'm in my second or third year and I'm learning lessons. He's calling me like he's my dad. Uh, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, I asked him, he was doing Kings TV a couple of years ago, and I asked him how the Kings were playing. He gave me like a five-minute answer, included quotes from the Grateful Dead, the Bible, the ancient Greeks. <laughs> no, no, he's, it, it was, you know, when he had his back injury and stuff, and, and people don't understand, it, it, it's sad for the game of basketball. And, and this is not even, you know, before me and Luke ever became friends, before I knew anything about him um, on the basketball court, I knew about his dad because his dad was so funny. And love him or hate him, when he was doing a game, you knew it was going to be interesting. You knew you were oh, either yeah. going to be able to argue oh. with him you know, through the TV or you were going to laugh at him through the TV. When and, he was doing Clippers with Ralph Lawler, that was must-see TV. Oh, man. Had to oh, turn that him, and, him and Snapper Jones? Like, yeah. I, oh, I, yeah. I, I yep. really think they didn't like each other. And, and, <laughs> and, and it's so funny watching these guys – um, you know, argue on TV and Bill would go on some some random comment and you didn't know where it was going. He was talking about, I, I didn't know who the Grateful Dead was and I didn't know who, <laughs> you know, because I'm, I'm a 15-year-old kid watching TV and, and now to not have him, um, it, it was tough. I remember my rookie year, I was, or my second year, I was so disappointed when the NBA switched over to ABC and ESPN. I probably shouldn't say that. O- only, only from a personal level because I grew up watching those triple headers on NBC with Marv Albert, Correct. Bill Walton, yep. Snap Snapper Jones, like all these guys. These are the guys that I just – it was Chicago. It was Indiana. It was the Knicks, uh, the the Lakers. It was the exact same teams every single single Sunday. It was a triple header, and it was like, you know, and it was like you would get goosebumps. I'd get home from church, and my mom, like she knew not to talk to me. I was going to be watching (laughs) NBC for the next, like, six hours until I went and played from, like – you know, I was on the West Coast, so the games got got over pretty quick, but – uh, no, th- th- those were some of the great memories I have of my childhood, and, and, and sadly, Bill was a part of it before I even got to know him. 
Yeah, you know, that, that, that's a good, uh, by the way, it's one of the great theme songs of all time. Oh, of all time. Uh, I've been looking for it to try and get it as a ringtone, and I just can't find it on the iTunes. I'm going to have to have somebody make well, it for me. You know, uh, R.C. Davis, uh, our, our radio producer, he's your man. He'll, really? He'll find that. You'll find, find Okay, I need to get uh, that. I, I got an iPhone. If I could have that as my ringtone, I would be, but I need the actual, the real, the real sound, you know. But I, I'll take whatever I can get at this point in time he, because that was uh, so awesome. He's a man of means. I don't ask how he gets stuff sometimes, but he's a man of means. Okay. Um, you know what's funny, too, is that, that uh, you, know, you go back and, and, and think about Bill Walton, and I'm much older than you are, obviously, but, but he's, the, he's the best college player I ever saw because he had to play without the dunk. Yeah. So he would invent ways to score around the basket with finger rolls and drop. And he, was, he, he would catch balls it, off the glass, turn midair, and he would throw the outlet pass before he got to the ground. I mean, he was unbelievable. <laughs> and, th- and that's what I started to find out after spending time with him and spending time with Luke. Like, I, again, I did the only thing I knew about Bill Walton, I knew he was a great player. I knew, you know, the Celtic days, you know, I'd always see highlights and stuff, and that was kind of past my time. But the more time I started to spend, I started to understand what he meant to the game of basketball. And, and it was, and, 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 you know, Luke had some tough times in the sense that, like, you know, he had to win a couple of championships before he went from being, you know, he was Bill Walton's son to now he's Luke Walton. He's, you know, established himself. He's had a long career. You know, even though, he, you know, he might not have played, you know, or had the same uh, accomplishments as his dad, I, I think he has somewhat separated himself, and people kind of know him as his own individual right now. But, yeah, no, the 88-game winning streak, uh, you know all, all the all the records, the the game, the national championship game. Like he has records that won't be broken, and and to hear some funny stories. So um, you know we always like to you know joke with Bill. You know we sit at his dinner table and he would crack jokes with us. And uh, I remember one time, and I like to mess with him. I he, he's like Richard, don't argue with somebody in the Hall of Fame. And I and just the mess with <laughs> just the mess with. Them. I'm like Bill, what Hall of Fame are you in? He's like I'm in the Basketball Hall of Fame. I'm in the UCLA Hall of Fame. I'm in the Academic Hall of Fame. I played one game in Memphis, Tennessee, and I'm in the Tennessee Hall of Fame. And he just goes off, and he just kept going for like six Hall of Fames. And I was just like, all right, all right, all right, I get it, I get it, I get it. Uh, and, th- and those are the funny things that people like, you know, and when you, and, and most people you would hear this and you're like, oh, this guy's bragging, this guy's boasting, but it's just Bill. Like it's just somebody, he, does, he sees things from a completely different perspective. Hey, a couple of final questions for you. Uh, we talked about a couple of your teammates, Tim Duncan and Jason Kidd, but who are some of your, and, and obviously Luke Walton, who are some of your favorite uh, teammates that you've had the chance to play with all the teams you have uh, played hoop with? Um, you know, Lucius Harris was one of the guys that I, I remember the most because we were both, like, we were the sixth and seventh man my rookie year. And so... Um, you know, the game would start and I would sit down right next to him and he would just make fun of me. He's like, oh, you're not going to be able to dunk. Look, look, see him 10 years. And he was 10 years into the league and I didn't know that much about him. He was actually a very, very good player, had a great career. Uh, but he used to sit me right next to him on the bench and just make fun of me when I would make a stupid foul and coach would take me out. He'd be sitting on the bench laughing, waiting for me to come back. And, and you know, he, he, would, he was just one of the best teammates that I had that I didn't really know. He was somebody that I didn't really know prior to the NBA and you know he really kind of took me under his wing he you know if Jay Kidd was my mentor he was a guy that like sat and talked with me during the game uh, especially when the game wasn't going on and, I, and as much as we joke with each other and he made fun of me I learned a lot from him and um, you know I always wish him the best and he's somebody that you know looking back on your career again that I'm year 12 uh, he probably didn't think I was going to make it this far the way he used to make fun of me but um, I, I definitely give him a lot of credit for being able to just sit there and kind of learn from him because he had such a long career career and you've had a couple of teammates actually uh, that are uh, 
doing what you want to do when you're you're done with your career. Hubert Davis is is on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Scalabrini's on TV now. Uh, I think wasn't Donnie Marshall a teammate? Of yeah, yours yeah, all these guys. And and that's and it's funny because the NBA is still so young. Um, you know, people forget. You know, I have a, a 50 greatest poster that has all the 50 greatest players on it. And you know, when it was signed, only one guy had passed away, and he had, uh, and that was Pistol Pete. He had passed away very early uh, in his life. Uh, since then, you know, there's been a few guys. Uh, uh, Dave DeBusher, uh, Will Chamberlain, uh, George Mike, and different guys have passed away. But um, you know, to see so many guys, point is, you see so many guys now going into the broadcast booth. And now guys are coming into the NBA thinking, hey, I just want to do this and establish myself, and then I can do broadcasting for 20, 30 years if I handle myself like a professional, if I if I learn the trade and I learn how to do it. And it's not easy. You know, I, I, I've, I've, I've studied it i've learned it i've taken some classes during the summer that the nba offers and broadcasting is not easy there's there's tricks to it getting comfortable and it's just like anything the more you do it the more reps you get and it's tough for us because we understand the game but the game also a lot of times has come naturally to us and that's something that speaking about the game doesn't come natural you know we look at coach jackson um who i remember when he first started in new jersey that was one of the first jobs that he had um as our reporter in jersey so he used to travel with us and you know he's a natural speaker you know, he has his church and that's he's used to being in front of people and just, you know, kind of naturally speaking. But for most of us, we don't have that opportunity to kind of do that stuff. Yeah, it's it's, it's funny. It, it's just like you mentioned. Repetition is the key. You know, I tell young broadcasters all the time, go get your reps in. Go find a job where you're if you want to do games, go find a job that's going to get you games at whatever level, high school, small college, whatever it might be, and learn how to do you know, learn your craft, and the only way you can do that is to get games under your belt, and and uh, it is it is a lot like a sport in that regard. You, yeah, you have to, and you it's know, tough because you, we're we're all perfectionists. You know, mm-hmm. e- even at the end of my career, it's like I you know I, I expect to be perfect every single time, and so when you get into an area in which you start fumbling around names, you mess up something, you kind of lose your train of thought. It's just because you got to get reps. You just got to keep it going, and and that's something. Um, you know, you look at a guy like Michael Strahan, who I've known for years. He has to be every athlete's, you know, you know, the holy grail. What this man has not not only been able to do with with the NFL and, and commentating, but also to go into um, just a, a, a more uh, just. Uh, I don't even know what the word is, uh, you know, doing the yeah mainstream um, and doing what he's doing now. Like, that's huge. Like, he'll make more – if he does that for 10 years, he'll make more money doing that than he did playing football. And, and that's amazing. And he has he has a job now that he could do for 20 years if he chooses it and if it goes uh, the, the way he wants. And so, you know, there's so many different avenues that, this, that, that your sport can open up. You just have to have the, the – just like in basketball, how you had to have those guys that you looked up to and that you wanted to learn from because you wanted to emulate your game – once you retire, there should be people that you want to kind of emulate um, that next chapter of your life after. And, you know, Michael Strahan, Brian Scalabrini, Donnie Marshall, these are all guys that, you know, I, I'm watching, I'm seeing uh, whenever they're doing games. I just kind of, and I'm not watching them because they're my boys. I'm watching them to see their transition because I know these guys individually. Yes. And, and, and just like you watch a basketball player, you'll watch and listen to a broadcaster. And when you start to listen to them critically, say, oh, I like what he did there, or I like how they got to that there, or I like what he said there. That's when, you know, that's when you really start to get the feel of, of what you want to do. Hey, I, I really enjoyed the, uh, the, the conversation. I, a final question for you, and it's one that I get a lot, and obviously I'm sure you do too in and about the community, is that, the, you know, how, how good is this Warriors team? And what do you see – when Andrew Bogut comes back? 
Uh, I think this this Warriors team has a lot of potential. We're a very, very young team. And every young team um, has their ups and downs. Like so far this season, I feel like, you know, we, we've been on an up. And I, I think this team has the right mindset. And it takes years. It takes years. You look at a team like the Lakers when they got Pau Gasol. They won their championship the second year. You look at um, you know Miami. They put all those guys together, and they won the championship their second year. This group is just now getting together, and they're having success. Are we going, are we going to be an improved team all year long? Yes. But I think, like, overall, you'll see the future of this program and of this organization um, really go to the next level on years to come. Are we a playoff team? I, I, I definitely believe we are a playoff team. Um, can we win some rounds? You know, we'll see. But do we have a bright future? Um, is this a team that can be in the playoffs four or five years in a row if guys stay healthy and things go the way, um, you know, according to plan? Definitely. So I think more about the organization and the direction that they're going, considering where they've been in the past, I think that's what people should be most excited about. Richard, a pleasure to, uh, to chat with you. I know that uh, we're, we're very excited that you're part of the Warriors organization right now and you're, you're a big benefit to the, the club and, and especially to those rookies on the bench and, and – we appreciate your time and look forward to seeing you out there tomorrow night. All right. Thank you for having me. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Richard Jefferson. And if you missed part of this conversation on tonight's show, or if you want to hear the entire conversation that we had with Richard, you can go to soundcloud.com. at soundcloud.com forward slash hashtag warriors. Soundcloud.com forward slash hashtag warriors. And you can hear the entire interview as well as all the audio interviews we get, pregame, postgame, from the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, from all the interviews we do, pregame with the head coach, Mark Jackson. All those interviews can be found at SoundCloud forward slash hashtag Warriors. I, Tim Roy, and we continue with the Warriors Weekly Roundtable with a look at how the Warriors are contributing off the floor in the Bay Area community, answering your questions on Warriors Vox on Twitter. And then Sam Amick of USA Today comes by, and we'll talk about the proposed sale of the Sacramento Kings. All that this hour on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, right here on KMBR 680, the sports leader.